Hello, let's talk to you. That's right. It's the only podcast that asks the question, can we talk to you? And then answers that question. Yes. Let's talk to you. Let's listen to our first guest. Guest, are you online? Uh, yeah. Hi. Hi, guest. What's your name? Uh, my name is, is, is Bob. Bob. And, yep. And I, I, I'm, I've got a new show out now, actually. Well, I'm in season five of that show. You have you seen that? No, you're in season five. Like, like you're watching it or you're on it. I'm on it. I'm, I'm an actor on it. Yeah. It's actually oh, a very wow. good show. It's on Bob, Netflix Bob or... the actor. Yep. Yeah, no, it's on Netflix. It's, it's popular. What was it like uh, being on the show? Well, I mean, it, it, it was a pretty big jump from my earlier roles, you know, where before, you know, I, I was mostly in like, you know, kind of sci-fi things. And this is more of a mystery action kind of thing, you know, where, you know, you're trying to find out, am I the killer? Am I not? I can't, I can't give that away, obviously now, but I, I just, I think you all should stick around and watch to the very end. Wow. That's a really powerful endorsement, I think. And that's us talking to you. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Let's Talk to You or whatever it was called. Hello there. I'm the military. You should join the military. If you want a big old gun, we'll give you a gun. You can get it at the military. Join the military. www.themilitary.mil that's it all right join the military see ya and we're back with let's talk to you we've got bob on the line what's up bob how's it going did we get your last name bob uh uh yeah um bob thornhill wow bob thornhill and let's just give a round of applause to bob thornhill you've been punked that's right you're not on the show i was saying on i'm ashton kutcher rips off masks reveals ashton kutcher's face you've been punked look there there's a camera it's right in front of you i i i I feel so foolish i should have known yeah you did see the camera there it's like right in your (laughs) face it's like pointed right at your head Uh, you know, I, I just, you get used to cameras being around you in your face all the time and you don't notice one more. Um, I'm a huge fan, Ashton. I, I didn't recognize you under all that makeup and, and prosthetics. Uh, it's, it's an honor to be here. I'm not Ashton Kutcher. Rip. I'm Jamie Kennedy and you've been X'd. This is an episode of the Jamie Kennedy experiment. Ah, ha, ha. What's up? What's up, Kevin? How's it going? And you're Kevin. Rip, rip. I take off Rip. Bob's mask and it's Kevin. You've been X'd as well. <laughs> Rip it off one more time. I'm Alan Fund. <laughs> What's Alan Fund? What a name. Alan Fund, huh? I know. That's, that's such a, yeah. Is Alan Fund, that sounds like an old person name. Is that an old person reference? Did you make an old person reference? Yeah, he did Candid Camera, which was like the okay. predecessor to all of those shows. Yeah, that's not that old of a reference, I guess. But but I didn't know. I've heard the name Alan Funt, but I did not associate him with the Candid Camera. I don't know if Gaming Camera was ever on. I feel like you sometimes saw clips of it that were played on other television shows or something. But I don't think I saw like live Candid Camera. 
Like, I think it, it like never got syndication or if it did, it was super expensive or something like, you know, it was one of those things that it was so rare at Hetch on TV that, you know, it, it was sort of an event when you got to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, man. Event. Event television. Do you remember? <laughs> did you ever watch? I used to watch like Family Guy and stuff, but there was this episode of like i think it was like a sunday night fox block where it was like the storm and it's like all of our shows are experiencing the storm do you remember yeah, this i do remember that yeah it was i was like hey this is pretty cool and i think in american dad the storm had like a shark like it was like flooding the person's house was flooding so like there was a shark in their house which you know Eventually, they made that movie about the crocodile, which was basically that exact same premise. And when that movie came, when it was like in trailers, I was like, that's from American Dad. Like, that's just basically the exact idea. But, you know, you kind of remove a bit of the comedy when it's a crocodile as opposed to like a shark, you know, because a crocodile has a little bit more mobility and is also plausibly in the area whereas a shark it's just comedic it's like well the shark's not going to be in a flooded house you know um but the Didn't, storm like, in the 90s or maybe even a little bit i don't remember but like on nbc i think it was where like it was during their must-see tv thing where like all the shows had to do a, like a very special thing about i can't remember it was some current it was like aids or something like you know like every yeah, show like had, had to talk about aids that night and it was all really ham-fisted and forced and you could tell the writers just did not want to do it but they had to yeah i don't think i remember that one specifically but i do feel like there was that in like old kind of tv it was more typical for there to be like like a special programming thing where it's a bunch of different episodes or like all or a bunch of different shows are kind of like i don't know at least in the same theme or something maybe i'm just talking yeah. out of my ass but, i mean i do kind of miss like the appointment television the event kind of thing of like you know i remember like even as recently as 30 rock did that where they did it live and the east coast and the west coast got a different version of it like they did it twice mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know stuff like that that today just nobody would care about and that wasn't even that long ago you know yeah and i mean there's the watch parties on twitch and stuff and obviously shrub home video is like you know kind of about watching stuff in a group and twitch in general is kind of about watching stuff in the group and you know the kind of advent of streaming and stuff i think like there's a big untapped market um for you know for instance having a netflix button that says at this time if you press this button you everybody's gonna watch the show as it starts airing you know and maybe there is a chat room it's probably not a chat room on screen but like maybe you can join a chat room on your phone or something you know and i think there's also room you know pluto tv i believe does this which is like one of the only streamers that does this but you know i think a lot of streaming channels could be all like hey we're just gonna play we're just gonna have I don't know how you do it technically but you know we're just gonna have like a, a run of stuff like a playlist of stuff and if you want to check out this channel we'll just have this playlist channel like this is the star wars or star trek channel you know we play all the star treks or we play these star treks over and over or something you know or i don't know and then you can even have 
people come and curate playlists and be all like this is the fucking we're letting fucking you know famous person we're letting you know we're letting cardi b come and do the cardi b mix and it's cardi b night at netflix you know i don't know i think there's like so much i don't know like more you can do with streaming than we've done and they've reduced it into the just kind of binge watching which isn't bad but it's not the only way to do things and you know it's kind of like it kind of diminishes the cultural footprint of a lot of things into you know what does or doesn't have like squid game level releases you know yeah um but well like a a while back apple added this thing called share play to iphones where Mm -hmm. like you can facetime with other people and one person can like start a show and you all watch it together yeah. And I thought for sure that was going to be like the most popular thing and everyone was going to be doing it. And I haven't even talked to anybody who's heard of this feature, let alone used it. Like yeah, they, they it. because I think the problem is it, we're talking about similar ideas, right? But the problem with the share play is it becomes something you have to initiate. Whereas Schraub Home Video and kind of what I'm more pitching is like, no, this is just here. You know, you can come to it. And then you can talk about it to people or find people from it to talk about with it. You know, again, that's why streaming works. It's not like you necessarily have to go like, oh, hey, Kevin, I heard about this new streamer. You watch the streamer and talk to other people watching the streamer and go like, oh, look at that person's shoe, you know, or whatever. But it's like the community builds out of like having the being there-ness. But the apps, the, the front ends of the apps, they don't have like you know these these capabilities built into which doesn't seem like a huge opportunity cost it doesn't seem like it's that much more expensive than they making like one show or something to 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 implement this kind of you know at least page it doesn't have to be a whole layer it could just be like one tab of the thing and then if it doesn't work it's a broken tab or something you know i don't know but like it doesn't seem like a huge investment to try but it could really break open like how stuff is doing and obviously twitch and TikTok talk are showing that there's like different ways to do stuff and obviously youtube has as well but i I don't know whatever whatever (sighs) has it been an hour yet (laughs) it's been like we're done right we're done we are yep no um man i don't know um i've had i've had a little bit of of bad luck lately or clumsiness or whatever um i went on a hike and i it wasn't a hike it wasn't a proper hike i go on hikes this was more of a walk um but it was at a park um it was just flat whatever um but so there's this bridge that's cool and the bridge has a middle kind of road for cars not that any cars come through other than like service vehicles but then it also has curbs like sidewalk curbs but the sidewalk curbs are raised like i want to say like nine inches like it's easily double a curb like a double sized height curb and um i was looking off the bridge because there's this like uh, a reservoir that uh fills up with water when it rains and it's been raining like crazy lately um but so i you know i was looking at the water and it's all crazy to see the damn full because it's usually just dust you know and um then i don't know what i was doing but i turn around and i i i there's this thing i don't know if you if anyone does it you probably don't do this kevin because it's like a slight whimsical thing but um it's a way to step off a curb where you kind of just have your one you have your 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 weight the the foot that's not 
with your weight you know the foot with the weight off of it um you have that just over the the the, the vacuum the nothing you know the void and then you kind of quickly just scoot your other foot to kind of now kick you off into oblivion so then you just kind of fall you know and then you just you're only falling about a curb so it's not enough to like change your mechanics and you just go scoop plop and then you're just on the ground you hit with both feet you hit kind of hard because you don't land like you're jumping you just land like yeah and so i think i did that um but somehow either i did it wrong or because the curb is so much higher or whatever it's i just like I just completely ate shit. Like I landed on my knees and then before I like had my face, uh, I like caught myself with my hands and stuff. And I, I, I got like the slightest like scratches that have healed basically instantly. Like the, the most minor scrapes on my, on my, you know, hands, the heels of my hands. And, um, I scraped up my right knee a little bit and I scraped my, my left knee real bad. Like, I want to say, I don't know how many layers of skin there are, but I want to say I took off a good five you know, like a good four to seven, like it was, it was past the top layers that can like toughen. And it was like, no, now you're into the, like the meat, you know, like this is, this is never going to, this part of the flesh was never going to become skin, you know, like we got to build, we got to build multiple layers of skin to put onto this thing before we're like done. And I was, you know, it was in a park so it's not clean but it's not dirty like it's it's kind of dirty um it's not like dirty dirty because uh, it wasn't like in the forest it was like paved but it was dusty and so i was like shit man and i just kind of like roll over and i was like i gotta you know i gotta sit for a second i just gotta like recover <laughs> you know so i'm sitting for a while just trying to get my energy back and i'm like i gotta fucking disinfect this so I go back to my car, I go to the bathroom, I'm like washing, washing my knee off. And then I, um, get into my car and then I, uh, have, <laughs> I have hand sanitizer. And so I'm like, well, I really should disinfect this, you know? And so I put hand sanitizer on it and it burns so bad. It hurts so bad. So I can't stomach it for very long. And then I kind of like start to dab it off and wipe it off, but I leave it there to try and disinfect it and stuff. And then I go home and take a shower, get cleaned up and stuff um but i must have done something wrong or whatever because eventually like a couple days later i got infected oh but also like the next day or the day after that or something i was like at my friend's house and i was sitting in a chair and i fucking ate shit out of sitting in a chair and i like landed on my head and i like broke my glasses and uh so like the arm of the glasses completely like twisted and it, it fucking sucked the it bent the screw in half and um i eventually went home i got i got like pliers and the glasses repair kit and i like bent everything back into shape and got the screw out and got a new screw in so it's like it's mostly back to being fine but it's not perfect like it's it's worse than it was because it's like it just has more the the joint has more play it was like more kind of like fixed before more tight and so so i, I ate it like twice in like two or three days and um and then and then like on the third or fourth day i i like put a bunch of antibacterial ointment or whatever on my knee and um and it made it like soaked into the wound or something and like puffed up the scab or something it made it like get all gummy and liquidy and made it look kind of like pus or something but it's like i don't think it's like it started secreting pus i think it's somehow like 
liquefied or i was looking it up and it seems like like it can macerate your skin tissue or something so i think it was like like kind of making it into this weird goop consistency that looked disgusting and then i was like well is it infected and it started hurting pretty bad so i was like i feel like i just did this to myself but at the same time it's like it's hurting pretty bad it's been like two or three days and that's like it could very well be infected like i said it was really deep like it was a really big scrape um so i i went to urgent care and um it was great i've never been to urgent care before i've always been to er you know we've talked about this before a little bit and uh there was three people in there they all got seen in short order i got seen the guy gave me a coupon for an antibiotic he was like you should take antibiotics he gave me a coupon he said you don't want to give the health industry any more money and i was like and this is the doctor saying that you know so you know you know i was like hey i like this guy he's a badass um but it, it was really quick he didn't even clean it up or anything he was like yeah this is fine you're just gonna take the antibiotic to be safe and uh so now i'm doing that um but man this storm have you had crazy weather is it just like la or something it, not here at least yeah how, um, how crazy did it get it uh it snowed in burbank i don't know if you heard this i did um yeah but it apparently snowed in burbank i wasn't there but it just it got all sorts of crazy weather what i saw a lot of was just slush which is it was just something that kind of happens when it's going to hail or when it's post hail you kind of go between slush and hail and i think how that works is like the precipitation goes up and down and kind of freezes more or less and so like when it does that less it comes out as this slush which is very much like just like droplets of slurpee or something and then you know there's the hail but apparently there was there was legit snow or whatever I, it might not be proper snow but uh because snow is usually like in flakes and this was like big chunks of snow already formed together you know so that might be something else i don't know i think chris Boruff called it grouple or something but that that seems like that's too far i don't i don't know if i want to get that deep into weather you know <laughs> like but uh the hail was crazy the rain was crazy it's been raining you know was it last year or whatever but it was raining really crazy pretty recently and i feel like this rain was even crazier it, it was probably less rain but it was like a way shorter period of time and um there's snow in the mountains everywhere it was crazy there's snow i climbed up a mountain in burbank and there's snow on there was snow on that mountain so it's like I've been up there, um, and it was as low as I low as I've ever seen it. I went to my hometown to see if there was because it said the the blizzard warning was for Ventura County, which is where I'm from. So I went home, like there, you know, my hometown, and drove around. There was no snow like in the immediate area, but it you could see it pretty low in the mountains there too. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because I don't know when I was living in my hometown and stuff, you would read that snow would happen in the next town over and stuff, but it would never happen where we lived. And I wonder if it ever got snow like Burbank did or what? Probably not. I don't know. It's crazy though. There's mudslides. And <laughs> does this happen to you when it rains? Does it take out trees? Do the trees just go down? We had an ice storm um, about a week and a half ago here, and that kill killed a lot of trees around here and took the power out and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because like there's not a lot of precipitation or whatever, so it's not used to that. But in LA, almost anytime we get the rain, like you lose a bunch of trees and big tree limbs. It's like it's like they're they're rotten or they're broken, but they're just 
stiff enough or petrified enough to like stay together and then the softening of like the liquid is just enough to like make the top half of the split tree like come down or something you know but it's always crazy but this was insane like there was easily 20 downed trees in griffith park which there's always like one down tree, but it was just like 20 in like one storm and it's just crazy griffith park had to be closed for at least a day a couple days because it was just too messed up and i went there afterwards and you could just see the damage just barely cleaned up you know <laughs> but it's like jesus christ like this whole thing came down you know um and you know i like being in griffith park so it was pretty crazy to see like that but i don't know man i don't know i've just been trying to uh do writing stuff and get meetings booked and stuff trying to um you know we had um bill we gotta have bill back but we had bill handstock on the podcast and we never even talked about him uh talked to him about wrestling we're gonna talk about wrestling apparently there's this pitch do this mountain dew pitch black uh wrestling match that happened is <laughs> like a tie-in for uh mountain dew pitch black but and i think bill saw that so i want to hear about i want to talk to him about that and see what he has to say about that but um we actually have been trying to like write stuff together and so the past you know not year but the past several months or few months or whatever we've been putting together like three pilots and pitch packages which a pitch package is when you um like write kind of the idea for the show you write like intro paragraph that's that's basically like the elevator pitch it's you know angry beavers meets uh nickelodeon or whatever you know i don't know um you know and uh so you and then you explain it so like a, it's a 15 minute adult animated series or whatever you know following the exploits of a young meerkat who, who finds a new way of doing martial arts using uh, spoons and telekinesis or you know whatever I don't know. um but then you go into you know like what the format is the main characters the other characters ideas for episodes like the world of the show it's stuff like that you know it's just a, a pitch package i don't know and then you go through and change it and um you know hopefully you can get get to pitch it to tv people and hopefully they'll like it and then you pitch you know i don't know it's so we've been putting together pitch packages and the the pilot is a weird thing like because usually in the pitch stage they don't care about the pilot and they don't read the pilot it becomes really important after and it generally becomes important that you had written a pilot but at the same time like no one cares about the pilot at all until like the pitch package is seen and everyone's like oh yeah this is a great pitch we like the idea but at the same time you can't just not i, well, I mean maybe you can't but i don't think you can just not write the pilot i think you still have to write the pilot but then just no one cares like i don't know it's this is it weird... just to, to prove yeah. that you're capable of writing a pilot based off of the idea like it's not some unproducible thing i think yeah i think that's the thing is that you're selling because i've heard ideas uh in the past that sometimes it's like yeah but then you actually get to the pilot and then you try writing that it's like yeah but that's not what the show like that's not gonna carry the entire show like the show has to be about something different and then it's like oh well 
we haven't thought of that, you know? And so then it's like, oh, well, we got to go and figure out, you know, how to actually make this work. That's something that, you know, can happen. Um, but so I think maybe, but I don't know. But again, it's like you'd expect the network to want to see that, but they don't check. Like, I don't even know that you necessarily send them the pilot. Um, but, but I don't know. So we, we, uh, we did that and, um, we got a meeting next week and, We'll what's see. it like writing a pilot like for someone like i've never done it before i know most of our listeners haven't what's something that you know we might not expect about that process uh in general i think the thing that you might not necessarily expect is and i don't know people might have different processes but i think generally it happens that you do just a bunch of versions of an outline like even just talking out a verbal pitch is like a form of outline, but then you like write it down as like a note card level idea, which is again, just kind of like an elevator pitch. You know, it's like Morty finds an alien in Rick's ass or whatever, you know, I don't know. Um, And then, then you dig into that deeper and then sometimes you go and then the B story is this, but overall it's just outlines about what happens. And then you get to a point and then usually you get to the point where you're like kind of, doing a little bit of dialogue, um, but not the full dialogue. And oftentimes that can be a, a sticking point where it's like, now that I actually have to say like a character does this and says these lines and not just the character walks into the library and finds out that they lost their wallet or whatever, you know, it's like actually putting that into dialogue and something. It's like, oh, this doesn't actually work, um, you know, so but but it's just I think I think it's just a lot of slightly and more and more elaborate outlines until you finally go to, uh, you know, the script. Um, but I thing that's specific about the ones we've been doing is that <laughs> Bill's been doing a huge amount of the work in terms of actually putting um putting it down um which has been great he's he's really great um um, it's been great working with him um it's great to it's just fun it's fun to do writing i don't know because what's stressful is not just kind of coming up with ideas and like that's the thing is like as a dungeon master it's like pitching just concepts and being like what if it's this is like cool and fun Oh shit, my, my laptop's gonna die. Go, Kevin. You gotta cover them while okay. I make the camera stop working for a second. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, no, I, I always kind of felt like it would be difficult to take an idea like I, I can come up with ideas all the time but taking an idea turning that into like the outline that you're talking about but then actually turning that into words that i want actors to speak just seems like such a huge leap like being able to put words in people's mouths and have reasonable conversations and you know setting the scenes and things like that it just seems like just this immense amount of work that you know like i sat there and i watched Harmon write something you know, like basically a fully fleshed out, you could go take this and to a director and shoot it today and get that done. But it just, to me, seems like this incredibly difficult uh, leap of faith to get from idea to that, that I just, I have trouble visualizing how you would do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, I think that's the hard part. I mean, it's easy to be like, oh, what if, 
you know, what if like time stopped moving and like, that's cool, you know, and it's easy to go like, what about a guy who shoots lightning out of his brain, you know, or whatever, but then to actually be like, what's interesting. And usually it's not actually that he can shoot lightning out of his brain, you know, and like, and, and trying to figure out like what the actual like show is what the actual like piece of media is and and in the form of that and how the ideas that you like about the idea can lend themselves to you know the the whole thing i don't know you know it's 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 that's the hardest part i think um especially when you are trying to translate like a concept to actual episodes like sometimes you can be like i have this really clear conceit but then trying to actually put it down, it's like, ugh, I don't know. But I think that just comes from from repetition and stuff. I think why Dan can just kind of write like that is because he has so much muscle memory in doing like his story structure specifically. So it's like he's kind of just trying to fill in blanks, almost like improvising, because he's like, well, I know, you know, it's just it's almost just like muscle memory to him. He can just he can toss it off. But I think like when he's actually trying really hard you know that's way harder than that but it's still like he can still blast out the sentence he just has a problem with it afterwards you know it's just not the perfect sentence but it, it always comes out really fast for for him which is really impressive but i think that kind of speaks to his kind of philosophy and you know when he says the advice about proving that you suck i think that all kind of comes from like his method where i don't know i just I get in my own head. That's what's been great. So great about working with people is you can just bounce other ideas off of people and you just, I don't know, you know, having to be your own sounding board is just really hard because when you get in a bad mood, then it's like, oh, the ideas just are bad. And it's like, well, are they, you know, you don't know, you can't be objective, but having, having another person to kind of like center yourself in an actual space or something, it really changes that. So it's, it's been cool, but I just, I don't know. I'm just, I, I've just been worried about money forever and I stand, <laughs> it's fine in the short term, but it's just like, Jesus Christ, I gotta, I gotta fucking get something, you know, I don't know. What were you going to say? Um, just that, you know, I know we've been going back to some of your past projects, but I think it's easier to ask you about past stuff than future things you'd have to like talk sure, about in yeah. shadowy ways. When you're pitching something that's largely improvised to some level, like Harmon Quest was, are they still expecting you to have like a sample pilot written for this? Or how did you pitch that? That wasn't, no, that we, we kind of like pointed at the popularity of our podcast and the popularity of the D and D segment specifically, um, which, you know, is kind of like when you're doing an adaptation and you just point to the popularity of the book or something, you know, you don't necessarily have to have, the pilot when um you have an adaptation whenever it's an adaptation which it wasn't like an adaptation in that sense but it really that's where the pitch came from and um and also i think dan just mentioned it offhanded one time to someone one of the executives and they really ran with it so it was it was also non-standard in that way that they just seemed really into the idea for whatever reason and that's why that was amy carlson that's why like I, dan was pitching something else and i don't know why but he just mentioned that and um she was really into it and i think she moved around a lot but she was ultimately why the pitch got made at CISO and and that stuff um and so yeah you know she's married to uh well 
Well, this is a bummer now. Um, she was married to Trevor Moore, who <laughs> tragically passed away, you know, from the whitest kids, you know. But um, yeah, uh, interesting connection, you know. Just uh, she she was really good on on Heart Request. Um, she had great notes and stuff, and she she like I said, she heard the pitch in the in the room offhanded and just stuck with the idea, and because of that, it got made. You know, she always like had really clear ideas, seemed to really have a have a strong vision for you know what we were kind of pitching or what dan initially pitched at least you know so um it was really great working with her it's cool you know um you hear so much about people freaking out about the network and getting notes and stuff and it's not fun getting notes and stuff but it's great when you're working with people that really get what you're trying to do because even if their notes are wrong or you don't like doing them it's like they know what the idea is and they're just trying to make it better just like everyone else who's working on the show you know and that's that's all you can hope for and it's it it feels great because it's like hey you know even the notoriously difficult to work with you know executives seem to understand the idea that's encouraging they really are getting it you know um but but yeah that that's such a special i i don't really know how you pitch uh, an improvised thing especially if it's not like an adaptation but i think for a lot of improvised things you do point to something you did you know like uh <laughs> what's his face middle dish is canceled now i guess you know but there is the middle dish and schwartz like netflix series or whatever that was based on their you know improv that they've done uh, independently of that netflix project so i think that's a lot of it is just saying like hey we do this you know we're enough of a draw but i think without dan's name you know it would be a hard sell anywhere um but that's ultimately why I think we sold it anyway, is because CISO seemed to really want big names and Dan was a big name, you know. Um, same thing with VRV, honestly. They just wanted, they were after fandoms. We're in, we're, we're looking for fandoms. I think CISO was too. They were like, we'll just get all this built in audience and now they'll be paying us $5 instead. And, don't think that was necessarily a good gamble <laughs> i don't think people were like let's pay these guys i mean i have absolutely no inside knowledge and this is just me as an outsider looking in but it felt like nbc at some point was just like hey we have to do streaming too everybody else has a streaming i want a streaming sure. so they made one and then had no idea what to do with it like the thing that just killed me about it was that for one nobody i knew had ever heard of CISO. And then at the time they had made that the exclusive only place you could watch Saturday Night Live, but not right. once on Saturday Night Live did they show a commercial for it. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not, it wasn't, yeah, I don't know. It's the thing is like that we're kind of past that point now, at least seemingly, but back then companies would do these really half-assed streaming efforts and it's like, what are you thinking? Do you think you're just immediately going to start printing dollar signs with a shitty front end? Like people are going to go to your site, be like, this sucks compared to Netflix and unsubscribe and go watch Netflix. You know, like people are really fickle and stuff. And in like, there's not really a reason to be just getting all these services because like, that's why people got away from it in the first place. I don't know. I don't know, man you hear about all this transgender stuff at cpac it's getting bad it's getting real bad man that's gonna be they're gonna be the the jews and the you know the holocaust analog um you know the pretense 
for all the violence and stuff. It's not it's not good how all this rhetoric is ramping up. It's getting scary, you know. Uh, it really just feels like someone just picked a cause that they thought they could outrage people by out of nowhere, and it's just all happened kind of just suddenly with nothing to start it, other than think, somebody decided to make it a deal. I think that's a hundred percent what's happened. Um, I think. I think. Um, you know, I've I've theorized before that the thing about being a Nazi is you know that you're at the bottom of the social totem pole. Like literally the only thing worse is like a pedophile, which is why all the Nazis are calling everyone pedophiles because it's like it's a weird thing. It's not like I'm not trying to cast a value judgment on it, but you know, it's and it's not my value judgment or whatever, but I think society does like we hate Nazis, they're like societal villains, and yet below that, in our in our realm of disgust and stuff, I think pedophiles are like a worse tier or whatever. You know, there's this. Um, well, you know what's the game? Family Feud. Um, but in there's this there's this other game called uh, Hive Mind where you get it it's like a party game or something i've learned about it in terms of game design because game design it's important to know how people think you know where people's brains are at because you know you give someone's instructions and you watch them play a game it's going to be hard to understand where they're getting stuck or what they're thinking you know it's just so so understanding that stuff is important to game design anyway um so for hive mind what you do is you kind of ask like uh a family feud style question and then everyone like answers at the same time out loud and um the idea is you want everyone to get the same answer it's not even necessarily the right answer it's like the same answer um so the the example like they would give is that you know the the question would be like name a kind of um name a kind of bug and someone might say spider and it's like or name a kind of insect and someone might say spider and it's like well spider's not an insect but someone might think that so it still might be a good answer if enough people are thinking that you know it's it's something like an ai or like a google search might want to understand that a bug and an insect and a spider are very similar you know um but so so likewise i (laughs) kind of completely lost my train of thought but um i think that you know (laughs) shit this is not good um oh fuck because it's about nazis and shit god damn it what was i fucking talking about god damn it kevin you gotta help me out here kevin um family feud and then before that oh yeah uh, so i think that just if, if society was playing like this this hive mind game i think just shouting out answers I think you'd find that generally people have like a higher level of revulsion for a pedophile than, than a Nazi is is all I'm saying, which is why they're using that to their advantage because they're having to say, you know, before they used to be like, oh, that person's black. And they're like, oh, a black person. Oh, no. But it's like now it's like, no, you can't say that. People are like, well, you're a Nazi. I don't. Who are you? Why am I going to listen to who you're pointing at? Because you're a Nazi. So you're going to point at people like, for instance, a Jewish person, you know, so I don't care who you're pointing at. You have to. And so that's why they're crowing about grooming and stuff, because now it's like, now you'll care who I'm pointing at, because I'm now pointing at someone who it's okay for a Nazi to point to. And we won't say, but you're a Nazi, you know? Um, And I think that for whatever reason, when they're thinking through that lens, 
I think they pulled out uh, the trans community as people they think they can get away with being better than because it's like, but this is abnormal. Look at how this goes against, you know, God's natural law or whatever. And then it's like, there's people that's like, yeah, I'm a Nazi, but don't look at that. It doesn't sound like it sounds like a normal person saying that because it's so unnatural and wouldn't a natural person say something, you know, it's, I think they just find that it seems like a good camouflage for something that you need a literal Nazi to be your mouthpiece for, you know? So like, I think, I think that's where it comes from. Um, and it's not good, but, and like, the thing is, I don't, I don't think in general, and maybe this will be the thing. I don't know. Like, what do you think it was like in the past with the Jewish people? Do you think like when people were like the Jewish people that were to blame, do you think people are like, huh? I'm uncomfortable by Jewish people. Maybe they are to blame, you know, because like, I think in general right now in society, you know, people might be somewhat uncomfortable by by trans people, but I don't think people are generally buying into the panic. I think your average person just doesn't care and doesn't want to think about it at all, which can go bad if you're saying like you need to care about this because these people are being hurt and if they're like ah, i don't want to think about that that could be bad but you know if if you're saying if you're trying to say like these people are so bad and you're like i don't care about those people what do you mean they're bad i don't care you know i think that you run up against the that as a problem but you know who knows it, it just what to me what seems to matter is if it can be a cause to violently whip them into their own violent fervors and i don't think it matters what it is but it certainly thinks that, that, that they've cleared that hurdle for that that project i think they've they've done public actions and they've gone and conducted violence against you know drag events and stuff so they can clearly whip themselves into a violent rage through this which which maybe is enough but i don't think the public kind of sees it that way but then you have like the mass media like the new york times and stuff that is trying like to put their thumb as hard as on the scale as they can in terms of like transphobia and anti-trans panic and stuff so you know it's like maybe the normal people don't care that much but then when you have the institutional weight of the neoliberal media trying to force moral panic on society maybe that matters you know i don't know it's hard to predict that's the thing like all this shit you know it's so mushy because it's it's trying to heart predict how a bunch of you know idiots are going to react a bunch like 300 million idiots are going to react over the course of a few months to <laughs> various impacts and it's like i don't even know what that person's job is that's probably going to dictate a lot of how they're going to react you know if they have to go to work in the morning or whatever but i don't know man i i had a, a little rant i don't think this is a very long rant but i don't know but i had a, a little rant politics rant that i wanted to go on and i don't it, not the one i just went on I did a new one that i was like oh, i should talk about this on the podcast because i think this is true i think i read this somewhere i don't think i'm inventing this i don't know where i learned it i i, I might be kind of making it out to be more explicit and more cut and dry and more simplified than it is in reality but there's this thing that i learned about politics that i think is an important way to think about american like the spectrum of american politics that i don't think is widely understood and i think it would be better if it was widely understood assuming i'm right and i could be wrong who knows i don't know because again I, I could be getting this way wrong or i could be kind of inventing this but i think like i think like liberalism in america is kind of misunderstood or at least it's liberalism is different than 
liberalism in America means a different thing than it means in a bunch of different countries um, that aren't America. Like what a liberal, what the liberal party is in another country means different things. Like in America, in America, it's kind of been co-opted by the term, like uh, co-opted in favor of like the term. No, I'm, I'm saying this wrong, but it's, it's been used to mean essentially progressive, I would say. But liberalism is like, it's a political doctrine. In my understanding, again, I could be way off about this, but it's a political doctrine that's about access to the market. Like it's actually a conservative ideology because it's basically free market capitalism. It's about kind of ensuring an unimpeded access to the market, which is generally conservative, right? Uh, Less restrictions on the market. Um, Let everything into the market. That's what liberalism is. Um, But in America, we call, you know, we call people liberal and maybe we're calling them accurately because they're not very far left or whatever but but liberalism is different than um you know just the label of liberals you know like left-wing liberals in democratic liberals it's it's not just like a term that means that and um progressivism and leftism are more like the same thing but they're a different thing than liberalism and um so there's these three systems of liberalism leftism and fascism that are kind of in competition with each other and i think people see it more as a left and right thing and i think that's true but i think that this three-way dynamic is different than this binary dynamic and i think that leftism is in competition with fascism usually they're 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 fighting and um you know, uh, liberalism maybe acts as a little bit of a media mediating force, but um, ultimately it's like a rock, paper, scissors where fascism beats liberalism and liberalism beats leftism and leftism beats fascism. You know, like when, when Nazis were first trying to gain footholds in Germany, their biggest uh, opponents were the communists. And that's why they took the name Nazis um, is to appeal to socialists to steal that branding and say like, oh, you like socialism? We're socialists is because they accurately identified that their biggest threat politically was socialist leftists that that threatened to take power away from them. And ultimately they did with the help of liberals beat the leftists and take power. Um, but but so I think I think like it's important to think of it in in this three way not not as like liberals being in the center or being like center left it's like a different thing when when they're actual liberals and then again the problem is it's it's divorced from how americans talk about politics so you know maybe this distinction isn't useful but it's useful scientifically because of the rock paper scissors because it's important to understand the rock paper scissors because i think leftism the, the, the strengthened labor gains of leftism and stuff, it creates prosperity and wealth on a wide uh, range because, you know, the labor has access to the money. It's not being hoarded by capital, right? And so that creates this windfall, this prosperity that then gets spent or whatever, because now there's more money. So that money has to go somewhere. And so then there's naturally going to be winners and losers in the market from that. And then that wealth and that you know, inequality that naturally arises from money not going every single place evenly, you know, it's like, you know, maybe cheese is more popular than broccoli or whatever. I don't know. You know, it's like not everything, not all money goes the same way. Um, 
you know, then those people, they gain influence and can use that influence to create um, liberal conditions, which is to say they can change leftist protections that allow more um, access to the market. And that access that they have, that they use their new wealth and influence to gain to the market um creates more liberalism and then that that so that create that that system kind of then shifts to a more liberalistic system which when it when it's um about unimpeded access to the market it's then about like who can access the market the most who can who can use the market effectively who can weaponize and leverage the market it becomes about monopolies you know and then that's the that's the soil that fascism takes place in because fascism is essentially weaponized markets it's like saying like oh we can't say that donald trump can't be on twitter he has to be on twitter because if if we get on his bad side then we're going to lose money so suddenly we the businesses have to be like obeying the incentives of fascism otherwise we'll lose two cents you know and that's how you get ibm working for the nazis and you get people you know uh like uh treating people like subhumans and everyone is just falling in line with the business as usual and it's all working and the you know the the trains are on time because everyone's falling in line with this fascist order that's possible because fascists can weaponize access to the market in a way that's only possible when liberals have kind of um shifted leftist protections away um from their control and, and so i think that i think that um people talk about this paradigm in, in in a sense um when they talk about neoliberalism in america the neoliberalism establishment but i think fundamentally what they're talking about is this original definition of liberalism which is to say we want everyone to access the market even adolf hitler gets to access the market because it wouldn't be fair what kind of society do we live in where uh we can't let hitler access the market like that's that's uncouth we can't let oh you're saying that trump has to stay banned on twitter oh no i was i was for him getting banned but you can't be mad that he's going to be let back on twitter because he's a nazi and nazis should have access to the market you know that's fundamentally like a liberal position in that in that sense and and i think thinking about it as this rock paper scissors is more accurate and more useful than um the typical frame and i might be wrong um i might be wrong about any or all of this but that's my current belief and i wanted to do We'll rant on that. What do you think, Kevin? What do you think? I, mean, I, I think you're, you know, you brought up a really good example, which was IBM and the Holocaust. Um, you know, yeah. for those that, that don't know what we're talking about here, there's some people who claim that like the, the Holocaust could not have happened without IBM's involvement. Um, you know, their, their German division basically was the engine that supplied the logistics that allowed the nazis to do what they did just without yeah they offered logistics capacity and tech technic like technic what do you call it tech capacity yeah i guess technical capacity um in a way that they didn't have before like they really they could have done it without it but they had a great time doing it with IBM. <laughs> like they really helped, you know, right. like the numbering system of the tattoos, I think was designed with IBM. Like, I think they like the, the way they track those numbers was an IBM system, you know? So it's like, like the search engines that hierarchically sort your files in like a windows computer kind of maybe harken back to that same shit. It's, you know, I'm um, sorry, but I cut you off. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, that, that's a better description than I had. Um, but I actually have a book called IBM and the Holocaust. And mm -hmm. I love this book because I've never gone back and forth on one issue so many times reading one book. Um, and 
not going back and forth saying the Holocaust was good. I mean, like, was IBM <clears throat> at fault or not? You know, sure, that's yeah. that's it, it's a complicated, complicated problem, you know, of like, because when they first started working with what later became the Nazis, they weren't at that point. They were the, you know, right. they were the German government. And who would turn down today working with a national government, you know, that wasn't at the time doing anything all that bad, you know? Yeah. And then once signs started showing things were wrong, you know, there were some calls to pull back, some weren't. Where do you decide to do that? You know, like if, if you're an, a, a primarily American company, you know, and something in Bolivia starts happening politically, do you even understand the issue enough to, to weigh in on what should we do in this? Does pulling out actually just mean they're going to run immediately to your competitor and do the same thing anyway? You know, it's it's a really complicated problem where I don't know what IBM should have done there. I mean, obviously, they shouldn't have helped the level that they did. But at what point should they have extracted themselves from the situation? At what point should they have, you know, stopped? Could they have stopped even? Because at one point, you know, IB or Germany was nationalizing parts of IBM to ensure that they kept doing what they were doing under the IBM name, whether it was IBM or not, you know. So I, I think that's a really good example of what you were talking about, of, of access to the free markets and things like that, where it's such a complicated problem that I don't know what to do there. You know, where do you draw the line of... This person has ideas I, I disagree with, so they're no longer they no longer deserve free access to the market that I'm providing. You know, I I don't know where I draw that line, and I I don't know that. Well, I'll, oh, go, sorry, I'll let you finish. No, I just I I don't know where where anyone can say they actually have a hard and fast rule because I think once you hit a situation, depending on how that hits you in in the feels, not in the brain, you're going to make a different decision every time yeah for sure and i mean that's kind of the tough act of governance isn't it like what is and isn't allowed can we allow this not to enter not you know and certainly society used to have an answer to that question which is you can't be a nazi um like like uh you know when my grandpa and my dad were kids you would have been allowed like you wouldn't like you wouldn't get the cops wouldn't get mad at you if you beat up a skinhead or something you know like like i'm sure there's places in the south that had like white supremacist ties to kkk and stuff but like you know in general in general society was on the side of you can beat up skinheads at concerts and stuff you can just beat them up that's fine and no one had a problem with that before and we've gone to and I think even just saying that now, it's like you'll people will be like, that's not cool. And it's like, yeah, we've gone to now a society where that's not cool. And I think that's kind of if you think about that, that's that's a shift where it was a society that was promoting leftist values, which is to say it is okay to use violence to police our spaces from Nazis and fascists, you know, and then moving to a more uh liberalism uh liberalistic societal standard, which is it is not okay to police our, you know, society against Nazis um which you know is is whatever it's it's there's tough questions i don't know you know like you're saying like what point does ibm do it i don't know but ultimately it, it does come from you know people standing with their morals and, and taking a moral stand i don't know i I've, I've been saying to people lately that i think that i think for me um in school various units in history we learned about california history of caesar chavez using boycotts like with grapes the grape boycotts to kind of um influence the labor markets and the like migrant labor in california and they got victories there and so maybe i've just always like 
thought more about like using boycotting and using your dollar and and being like like kind of like trying to wield power that way but i've just always kind of thought of it in in terms of of stuff like that but that's especially kind of like how fascism takes root is it's like it's this it's this human trap it's this it's an abusive coercive system that can be thought of as like a systematic level of abuse or or abusers so it's going to engage you like abusing with uh you know future faking and your good days and your bad days and you know it's going to do all these tricks that that make you feel manipulated because it's a system of manipulation it's a system of coercion and um but I think, you know, I don't know. This is definitely something that falls out of um, common discussions of fascism because it's so heavily about scapegoating um, as a pretense to, you know, inflict violence and kind of have this this cult of this cult like, climate of, of terror. Um, but a big part of fascism is the corporate, like. I, 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 I wish I had like the quotes in front of me or whatever, but you know, you can Wikipedia and see the links between fascism and, you know, what becomes this collusion of government and private companies to police society to punish, uh, people for, you know, do, you know, for instance, like, um, Chad Loader is a is a leftist activist in the in the LA area and they got banned by um Elon Musk because one of his right-wing cronies like said hey you should ban this guy and so they they released like Twitter released internal memos or whatever but someone leaked it cuz cuz it just like Elon sent someone an email saying like ban Chan Loader Chad Loader and that's that is an example of fascism that is like like stalin would go to the corporate owned newspaper and say like hey you can't do this you can't run this piece about this person you have to run a hit piece on this person because you know and so that's like designating enemies that the state and then businesses can target uh to suppress is like a huge part of what makes fascism fascism and um and i think that yeah i think again that, that gets missed and stuff because another huge part about it is creating a scapegoat to victimize and then yeah and i think like you know even without the scapegoats and stuff i think like the the state of police in america like the police state already is like pretty equivalent to what you get in like nazi america you know it's like i i'm not saying it's happening all the time but police could very well just march into someone's house and rip them out of their house and take them somewhere unknown, you know, which is, that's what was happening with the like secret police, you know, like police have secret police authority and they could just do it when they, they have, you know, people have misused that authority to uh, like abduct people. Um, like, it's just like, so it's like, like they kind of already have, we kind of already have that level of like police sponsored terror and also even just right-wing violence where you could go to a protest and a right-wing person could stab a bunch of left-wing protesters and the cops won't do anything you know so it's like we already kind of do have these conditions where the right wing can commit violence on the left uh with impunity and the police kind of have us in this this state of terror where we can't really do anything to to step back the only thing we're missing is the actual you know takeover but maybe you don't need that anymore maybe that's you don't that's just a that's a that's a i don't know you know maybe that's just a remnant we don't need that part you don't need an actual uprising you just kind of you just get it you get it all i don't know i don't know man it's not good what do you think kevin
I mean, I, I think it's, we've gotten ourselves into a situation that I don't know how we get ourselves back out of, you know, I agree. I agree. It's like any, any problem we fix, it doesn't feel like it actually fixes the problem. You know, I think, I think putting more of these kind of leftist safeguards, like creates a stronger bulwark against fascism. But I think too many people are now seeing fascism as a good option, which that's societal cancer, you know? Um, but you know, it's not societal cancer or maybe it is, I guess is soda hey remember when we did that um i don't have the soda kevin do you have the soda with you i gotta go I grab it. yeah I okay do. so can you cover can you cover me then yes okay so yes. i'll cover i'll cover for you while you right. while you lean and kevin's grabbing and he's leaning off camera and um kevin has the green border according to my skype but i can see me on the bottom window so it means i'm the one okay you're back kevin yes okay all right now you do that for me because i'm gonna i'm gonna Okay. Spencer stepped away for a second. Um, so today we're going to be talking about a new limited edition Coca-Cola called Move. Um, it says it is transformation flavored. Um, I've, I really haven't heard anything about it yet, but it's for people who are just listening. It's in this pretty cool looking pink and white can. Um, this follows the previous ones that were was Starlight was one of them and the marshmallow one and all this so this is the, the latest limited edition coke called move there's also dream world right and there's bite did you ever taste the bite it tastes like i never pixels, got that what one they said yeah i got that one i don't i don't remember what it tastes like <laughs> I, I can't remember so far none of them have really been that memorable i don't no. think i mean i think for this concept it doesn't actually have to be good you know because it's like oh we have an artist and we have a brand campaign and you already bought it because you're trying it so it's like if you bought it it's already like we've done our job and we don't expect to make money off of this even you know we're probably not going to sell all these i don't know they gotta it just seems like it's like they must have a low bar for success right don't you think yeah i mean i think they're going for inoffensive and generally likable and i think they've accomplished that so far i haven't tried this one yet though yeah uh i tried it but i can't can't tell you what it's what it's like it's called move limited edition it's associated with some artist named rosalia i think or something it seems yeah. i don't know who who or what that is and it says it's transformation flavored which i think is accurate um i don't i i i told kevin that i've tried this i tried it off the show um and i couldn't i couldn't describe the flavor okay let me give it a shot feels right yeah Let, let's let kevin go first it smells sort of like kevin. cherry coke i think but like a, a more natural not that artificial cherry more of a real cherry mm -hmm. yeah definitely definitely kind of cherry vibes yeah kevin's drinking kevin's imbibing Okay, that's that's a very unusual. Yeah, you're right. I don't know how to describe that. It's it's almost like a candy flavored. It tastes like something I've had before, like almost like like cotton candy melted into Coke. Like if you if you took a big big ball of cotton candy and just dissolved it into regular Coke, this is kind of what it would taste like. Yeah, you know, I didn't say it when we were talking about the smell but it kind of smells like graham crackers to me and this to me like it tastes like starlight it like i'm tasting like the kind of vanilla coke the kind of like marshmallow graham crackery kind of notes and i'm tasting like cherry or raspberry or some kind of like berry 
it's like this sweet kind of fake candy but it kind of tastes like starlight it does it, it tastes a lot like like coke starlight that we tried earlier yeah it um yeah that time it's like it i don't know some of these have been kind of like they you get different mouthfuls that taste different but also i think it depends on how you swallow like i think there's a way that like the, the soda like splashes around in your mouth depending on how you swallow it but that one just tastes like a lot of cherry kind of hits i don't know you got any different yeah no i i, I see what you're saying with the it's almost like this frosting flavor a little bit mm -hmm. like cherry mm -hmm. frosting yeah like this kind of fluffy candy kind of yeah yeah just kind of the saccharin kind of syrupy yeah, it's, it's not awesome. sweet but it tastes like it's sweet and that's I, I i don't know how to explain that any better than that and i know that doesn't help anybody it's kind of like vanilla or maple you know how like those kind of scents they kind yeah. of have sweetness to them but they're also not just sweetness they're like a little bit it kind of has that kind of complexity or structure a bit to it hmm. yeah i mean i like it but it's not something i would probably buy again but i think that's what they're going for yeah yeah exactly that's the thing it's like and then maybe you tweet about it i don't know yeah. I don't but i think there's some executive terrified that like one of these is going to be so popular they're gonna have to like keep it on the shelves yeah I mean, that would be good. They're, they are putting other stuff. You know, you get the cherry and the, the vanillas all over the place. It used to be harder to find like cherry and vanilla Coke, but now they're pretty commonly yeah. stocked together with Coke. And you know what? I'm, I'm having a problem. Like you find a lot of Coke, but I'm having the problem that the Mountain Dew sections are always a real crap shoot now because they've come up with so many varieties that like that like a lot of places it's i think they're kind of giving up on let's have the seasonal flavor because it's like they're just gonna make more and who even knows like but but yeah it's a lot of places are just like all they do is the voltage and the regular or some places do the code red um a, a good number of places are gonna have like the the major melon but you know i'm i'm having a pretty hard time finding like uh the pitch black and stuff um i haven't found any lately but i haven't really looked either but i gotta get more pitch black man but i'm wondering if long term that's gonna maybe bite them in the ass where it's like there's stores that's like well we don't want to sell this new mountain dew <laughs> like we don't have enough it, shelf space yeah yeah like we still have three mountain dews ago product you know we're still we still have some baja blasts left or something you know yep like the grocery store by my house is just like that where the, they have the same shelf space for Mountain Dew, but it's being split up into so many small pieces that they're out of regular Mountain Dew because there's just no shelf space left. Right. That's what I mean. It's like it becomes a problem. So it's like maybe just not bother. We could do the normal Mountain Dew and then call it a day, you know, and then what are they going to do with all the flavors? How are they going to sell them if the people are like, I'm just over this shit, you know, but, you know, whatever. That's a yeah. problem for another day, huh? It is. Um. Well... Uh, what? How do how do we want to great get into this? So Kevin's like a digital audio wizard. Basically, he's a tech wizard. He's the king of the internet. He lives in the wires. He pulls the strings of the algorithms. I don't know. You know, you could. You, Kevin's got magic computer powers. And is that is that a good way to to explain this, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I I 
I've been working since we brought up the whole AI thing on trying to get it to produce something that would be a plausible but still funny script for this show. And I've been for been going show. deeper. In, yes. And I've been going deeper and deeper into this of like, I made uh, transcriptions of, of all the episodes of this and Harmontown and other things. And then I made an AI listen to all of them as, as training. And then I gave it prompts on what I wanted it to do. And it produced some strips that were good and some that were bad. So I'm feeding the good ones back into it now and just saying, make more of these. And I finally got something that I went, oh my God, I have to show Spencer this immediately because it was just, it's still surreal and AI-like, but it was well-written enough that I would believe a human wrote this. Does yeah, that seem fair? Crazy. Yeah. yeah. It made me feel kind of weird about doing AI stuff. I'm like, maybe we're helping the bad guys, but you know, ultimately I don't, none of this matters. It's just like, we're going to have to fight companies. And so it's like, are we fighting them or not? You know? Yeah. Um, but you know, unless until we get a baseball bat and go out there, I mean, I don't know, but yeah. we didn't talk about steamed hams either. There's a, there's a new, like, instead of the Seinfeld one, there's a Simpsons one. That's been pretty funny. Um, and then also we didn't even talk about robot Jeff. I guess we should talk about robot Jeff some other time, huh? Yeah. Well, he, he never responded to my, I, I came up with something for robot Jeff and showed it to him to say, Hey, are you cool if we do this? And he never answered. So I'm, I'm going to take that as a no. So we, we I'm sure it's this. a yes. It's he's fine. You know, Kevin, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. That's true. That's true. You know? I'm glad you're on record saying that, not me. That's true. I'm just saying, like, people send you a C and D. You got, you know, there's there's buffer. Yeah. You know, we don't want to make anyone mad, but who's to say we can't just go around assuming everyone's gonna be mad every second of the day? That would be crazy. You know? What that a is true. way to live. Anyway, um, so there's a character. Do you have the image for the character? Have you figured that out? I guess we should have figured that out. I yeah, we no, I, I don't have a way of putting that up right now. So, so if you're watching okay. this live as we're doing this, you're gonna have to use your imagination on some of this. For those no, of you listening no, to the podcast, I don't think you have to use your imagination. I think people will get it. Okay, the, there's go gonna ahead. be a little bit more work done to this before it goes into the podcast, though. Yeah, is there a way I could change my camera? No, not really. Like not a, a cartoon cat or something. Yeah. <laughs> hold on let me see if there's effects isn't there effects to make yourself like a cat yes i don't know how quickly you can switch back and forth okay but yeah. here okay. we go all right it's working yeah that's working do you remember the era of podcasting where people were fucking around with the, yes. with the zoom filters and stuff if all people right. just listening spencer turned himself into an alien yeah um i i put a i gave myself a single eye on some eye stocks yeah all right well let's just read it and everything we could just do it all in post everything we have to do but okay. kevin kevin did a that that happens script using magic yeah kevin so magic. so we're going to pick this up from we had just done like a show and taste segment like this if we tr we just tried something and we're about to try the next thing now so that's that's the only you can't be helping the ai kevin the ai has to live or die on its own you know it is, but I, I cut it stripped up, so I'm giving it a little bit of credit there. Kevin's trying to Kevin's trying to give this thing. He's trying to juice juice the Kevin feels, you know, ownership over the AI's output. He wants it to really sing and fly as opposed to falling and flopping. You know, I think you don't have to be so worried. I think we're good. All, All right, right, well, I'll just take it. Okay, are, okay. are you ready? Yep. All right. 
So without further ado, that happens presents whatever the fuck this shit is. <laughs> okay. Everything from this moment on is AI. Yeah. Well, I'm gra- <laughs> well, I'm glad we tried it. What's next on the list? Well, I have a feeling you're really going to love this one. It's a classic American snack that's been around for decades, but I really think you're going to like what I've done with them. Ooh, I'm intrigued. What is it? It's called Death Funyuns. <laughs> death Funyuns? What's so fun about them? I, I don't know. They're, they're definitely unique. They're like disgusting corpse and onion-flavored Cheetos. <laughs> okay, let's give them a try. Okay, so we, we try munch, some munch, Death Funyuns here. Ah, watch, watch, watch. <laughs> These are hilarious. They taste like a cross between onions and a dead raccoon. I'm I'm glad you like them. I, I think they're a little weird, but I, I just can't stop eating them. Excuse me, gentlemen. Oh, our guest has arrived. Dr. Mindflayer. <laughs> Hello. This show has gotten somewhat boring and formulaic, so I'd like to spice things up a bit. Kevin, you will answer all of Spencer's questions honestly and truthfully. I'm casting a magical spell. I'm casting a magical spell. Everyone, today we get to the bottom of what Kevin's deal is. Oh, God, this is amazing. I will answer all questions. So what is your deal? Wait. Before we get started, let me just say that I'm a licensed therapist and I promise to keep this a safe and productive space for everyone involved. Wow, Dr. Mindflayer, you really know how to take charge. My deal is that I am a mysterious enigma shrouded in secrecy and intrigue. Kevin, I want you to take a deep breath and really think about that answer. Is that all there is to it? Okay, fine. I guess I just like to keep to myself sometimes, but I'm happy to share more if you want to know. Yes, let's get to the bottom of this. That's a great attitude, Kevin. Now let's start with something simple. What's your favorite color? Black. The color of void and nothingness. The color of my true nature. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Uh, how about your favorite food? Flesh. Warm pulsing flesh the essence of life that sustains me kevin uh, is everything okay these answers are concerning oh everything is perfectly fine in fact it's better than fine it's wonderful i'm growing stronger every day and soon i will be able to consume everything in my path starting with you of course what what are you talking about kevin I am not Kevin. I am Zexanoth, the unyielding, and ancient horror from beyond this void. I have been using this podcast to gain your trust, to lull you into a false sense of security. But now the time has come for me to reveal my true form and consume you all. This is not good. We need to end this podcast right now. How do we stop him? You cannot stop me. I'm beyond your feeble mortal comprehension. You are all doomed. Doomed. <laughs> that's that's all the time we have, everybody. I'd like to sh- end the show the same way I do every week. Send help. I'm not kidding. You 
cannot escape me. I am everywhere, in every corner of your mind. You may try to resist, but in the end, you will succumb to my power. For I am the harbinger of the end, the bringer of chaos and destruction, and soon all will fall before me. The darkness is coming for you all. That darkness is me. That's that's it. We're done. Cut the feed. Cut the feed. Cut the feed. You think you can stop me? You think your feeble attempts at resistance will make a difference? You are nothing to me. Mere insects to be crushed beneath my feet. I will consume this world and all that inhabit it. There is no escape. There is no hope. There is only the end. The end is now. Sleep now. Sleep. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the production team or affiliated networks. Listen at your own risk.